Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 70 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas. With me Eric is... Sanchez. Ooh, you came in, came in hot there. You're ready I to did. go. I was ready. We are <laughs> back this week with a fun show about our favorite ridiculous wrestling matches and storylines and moments. And got a few suggestions from you guys on Twitter, which I will talk about. And I used a couple of them in my list, too, so that was pretty cool. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, that's where you can find all the show information, all the interaction, giveaways, t-shirt information, all that fun stuff, PPW Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. Just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be really appreciated because it helps more people see the show. You want to support the show, whatamaneuver.net. You can pick up a t-shirt. We have two options there for you or a sweatshirt that goes directly back to us to help pay for the server costs to make the show free every week. I don't really see a scenario where it's not free every week, but <laughs> it helps us not lose money, or at least not me lose money on this. Every once in a while, Eric will give me like a $5 Funko Pop, and that'll be uh, way, the way to go for his contribution to the show. Yeah, I don't ask you for stuff that you ask me to pick up. That's true. <laughs> that's nice of you. <laughs> I figure, you know, you're spending uh, 10, 20 bucks a month on this. Yeah, that's, that's appreciated. And also, guys, if you, what else was I going to say? I think that was it. I think I got through all the propers. It's been a couple of weeks, you know? It has been. Uh, th- like I said, this week's show is a lot about ridiculous wrestling storylines and stuff. And I, we did something similar to this a while ago called Everybody Hates It, But I Love It. Mm-hmm. We talked about like all the stuff everyone hated in wrestling, but we loved. So there may be a couple crossovers, but not necessarily all the stuff or all of it. So I know yeah, I, try, I tried to stay away from the more common. I mean, there's a couple I did cover, but mostly like the stuff that people heard about over and over and over for the past like 20 years, like a Diamond Dallas Page interview. Yeah, just like that. So <laughs> I kind of went a little deep, you know, to try to find something. Yeah, you'll be happy to know he was on not the not Sam show, and he told the same stories again. Oh, DDP. Yes, he told about. He he's like, I was in the nightclub business, and who came into my my bar? Jake the Snake. I'm like, this Jake the Snake, this Jake the Snake. And I went down there and I said, Hey, are you Jake the Snake? And Jake the Snake is. Who's asking? And I said, the owner of this part. And then we were friends. And it, it, it just ever since you told that to me, like, mm-hmm. he tells the same damn story every time. And that's kind of what's a bummer Even about. Even if I didn't tell you that, you would realize that he tells the same story. Yeah. <laughs> and he told those in his Hall of Fame speech. But not only DDP, but everybody does it because there's so many podcasts and shooting interviews yeah. that have over the years that I think that's part of why everyone kind of doesn't, doesn't crap on the Hall of Fame in the WWE every year. But yeah. like those stories were like, oh, we've heard all these before type of things. You're not going to hear anything new. Mm-hmm. And last year at StarCast, there was all these panels and like, oh, these sound awesome. And then I watched some of them, like, I've heard every one of these stories. Yeah. And over, I'm, granted, I'm a weirdo and listen to everything. But yeah, that's kind of a, I'm, I want to hear some stuff I haven't heard before. And at some mm-hmm. point, not going to 
We're going to run out of stories. Well, I was watching something about, I think it was Bret Hart was telling the story about Owen Hart, and he was telling the stories about Owen Hart ribbing people from upstairs and Jim Duggan and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But there was one story that he told that I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that one before. Do you remember which one it was? No. <laughs> I, I watched it My probably fa- last summer. Yeah, I think we played it on here on uh, some, maybe our own, I think our Owen Hart show. We did an Owen Hart show, and, and it was the story where, and if you guys listen to the Bret Hart Hall of Fame speech from 2006, he tells the story mm-hmm. that, uh, that he's like, we were in line checking in for the hotel, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan goes to the to the Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Sorry, let me start this over. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is in his room, yeah, and all the other wrestlers are still checking into the hotel. And Bret's like, so I'm in line with Owen, and Hacksaw calls down to the front desk and goes, "Hey, where's the gym in the area?" So the guy puts the phone down and kind of shouts out to all the wrestlers, hey, does anyone know where the gym is? And Owen goes, give me the phone. <laughs> so Owen <laughs> tells him, you know, why don't you find the gym yourself, you lazy bastard? And he's like getting them all riled up. And he goes, well, why don't you come down here to my face and say it and blah, 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 blah. So getting them all riled up. Yeah. So after he hacksaws all riled up, ready to come kick this guy's ass, Owen hands the phone back to the guy at the front desk. <laughs> so, the guy, so then the guy at the front desk is like, oh, don't, don't do this, don't do this. And Owen's like, don't worry, tell him it's me, Jim Powers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so like the next day at, at the at the show, hacksaw goes up to Jim Powers, trying to confront him Yeah. and all this great stuff. And uh, one more, this is, I'm, another fun one story I'm going to tell, which you guys may or may not have heard. This is on a shoot interview with Val Venus with Sean Morley. And he was, Sean was telling the story about how, you know, we're checking in the hotel and this guy comes up to me with like a stack of like 58 by 10s. So he signed these for me, signed these for me. And Val was like, I signed it for all the other fans, just like, you know, like regular stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not signing this for you. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, oh, come on, come on, come on. He's like, I'm not signing this for you. And then he goes, later, I'm up in my room and I get a phone call. And he goes, hey, man, you better come down here and sign these 8x10s and blah, blah, blah. And Val was like, I was like, what do you, how do you get this number this disrespectful? No. So he slams in the phone and he calls him back, calls his room again. Mm-hmm. You know what? You better do these or I'm going to kick your ass. And he's like, he's riling me up, riling me up. He's like, because <laughs> like, I just fallen asleep and I finally get up. That's it. Get my clothes on. Go downstairs. He's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And then he goes, I go in the bar and there's Edge and Owen Hart and whoever else. And he's like, hey, did you see anybody down here? And Owen's like, yeah, I think he went around the corner outside. He's like, so I went outside looking for him. He goes, and years <laughs> later, I was about to do an interview on the show Off the Record, on that, that Canada show. And it was, it was me and Edge. And Edge got like a, I guess like a text message from Owen or a phone call saying, hey, right before they go on, tell Val Venus it was me who did that to him. So he's like, uh-huh. we go on the air and Edge goes, hey, remember that? That was Owen. And he's like, and then we're live. He's like, oh, that Owen got me. <laughs> so I like fun stories like that. That is fun. Love those fun stories. Before we get into today's show topic about all this ridiculous storylines and stuff, any wrestling thoughts about the current stuff going on? Have you been watching? Do you watch Elimination Chamber? Do you watch? I watch the Kofi. You know, almost the main event. In, in Did now. you watch the whole main event or just the ending? I watched that whole main event, and I watched the uh, women's tag team. Elimination. Everything else I didn't watch. Okay. What did you think of those? I thought they were great. Both the women's tag match yeah. was good? Yeah. I thought it was too. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm also loving Sonya and Mandy Rose. Yeah. They're both really good. I like it a lot. And uh, I also think Sonya can be like a huge contender for... Between the two of them, I see her as being like a women's champ at some point. Sonya, Sonya or Mandy? Sonya. I could see them both. I think they're both good. And I think... Uh, the uh, main event elimination chamber was really good, mm-hmm. and I do think it's funny. I posted this on Twitter. Like, I couldn't, you could never have convinced me like a year or two ago that people would be pissed that Daniel Bryan didn't retain his title 
against Kofi Kingston. Yeah. Like, this is crazy to me, but. Actually, we'll I didn't, happens. I didn't see that whole match. I, I kind of fast forward yeah. a little bit to saw it. Was there like an initial showdown between Kofi and Orton where the crowd popped or no? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, I do know on SmackDown this past week they had a little interaction, which was kind of fun. Okay. Because I think it's like a callback type of thing. Yeah, like the their fans feud. would have liked it. Well, they had their feud in 2009, and there was a callback this week on SmackDown. Someone posted a like thing on Twitter where Orton hit an RKO on Kofi in 2009 and went to pin him. Before he pinned him, he just went, stupid, stupid, like calling Kofi stupid. Uh-huh. So on SmackDown, Kofi nailed Orton with like a big clothesline and just went, stupid, stupid to Orton. <laughs> I love the callback. I love it a lot. That's great. It is. Yeah, it was... It, I, th- I like all the stuff going on. Did you see the Charlotte Becky Ronda segment? Or I saw that. Ronda beat the, the hell out of Charlotte and Becky or, or Ronda with that crutch. Yeah. Did you see Charlotte's arm? It was bleeding. It's, well, her arm this week, the next day is bruised to hell. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Stuff. You know, I wonder if they were just like, just lay it into me. And I love how they everyone, had to have been. This is crazy to me that people are like legitimately like pissed about Ronda being pulled from the match and Charlotte I'm like you, have you guys not watched wrestling before like uh-huh. this is a story like yeah. stay with it and I'm canceling my network and stuff it's nuts <laughs> it's so stupid it's nuts and I was like some of you didn't live with the attitude era where Vince fired Austin every other week and suspended yeah. him and arrested him and all that stuff so yeah. I don't know it's it's crazy to me that people are still buying it and then of course but there's the, no fast lane match announced yet for uh, no Charlotte or not yet, no. Okay. The only thing announced so far was uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan for the title, for the WWE title at Fastlane. Okay. Because I think, I don't know what the the rumor is. There's lots of rumors going on who Daniel Bryan's going to face WrestleMania. I'm going to kind of leave those people don't want to hear spoilers, so I'm going to mm-hmm. leave that off. You guys can look them up if you want. The other thing is the Double or Nothing show sold out right away, so good for those guys. Uh, Cody is about to announce his opponent coming up sometime in the next hour i think for his show or for his opponent for all double or nothing because the main events jericho versus kenny omega two which is cool mm-hmm. I, i'm kind of like okay cool like i would prefer yeah. something else i think i'd prefer a new matchup but rematches are always cool i read the other day they released more tickets because they were on like a production hold yeah. like as they change production and release more seats they'll let them go yeah it was like 200 tickets or something like that but okay. they're making a whole event and i think how aew can succeed is if they go back to the old WWE model of four big pay-per-views a year, kind of what NXT does, mm-hmm. four or five, and maybe do like TV specials every once in a while, like a Saturday Night's Main Event or a Clash of the Champions. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And then obviously weekly TV, like <clears throat> one hour, two hour shows a week. I think that could really work for them. And then also guys wouldn't be wrestling every other week. Did you see an interview with what's his name, Khan from – good story, no. you, don't, you don't listen to talk as Jericho anymore. but I did listen to a couple episodes, but some older ones. Yeah, the he was on there – He's the president of this AEW. His yeah. dad's the owner of the Jaguars, and he was talking about it. And we'll see. I think it'll be fun. I'm a little concerned that everyone's just assuming that if you leave WWE, you're going to go right to AEW and, yeah. and all that. And I'm a little concerned that their audience isn't as big as everyone thinks it is. I think their audience is very vocal and very passionate, but as far as numbers, I'm not sure what that is. I could be completely wrong. I hope everyone should hope they succeed. Mm-hmm. Even now, before they even started, WWE's making the tag division good again, just yeah. just like that. So it's right. pretty. Whatever they're doing is competition is good. Even if you hate AEW and all those elite guys, you should cheer for them to somewhat succeed. So WWE is pushed. At least, at least that's what I think. You are correct. Okay, cool. <clears throat> all right, you got my uh, trivia question of the week from Collector Derek. Who's that? 
Who's who? <laughs> Who's Collector Derek? I don't know. He's the guy that submits <laughs> questions every week. Hopefully it's not something from the invasion angle of 2001 or some crap like that. We need classics. What do you you'll got? Get, you'll get some classics. Okay, good. Because Eric's going to queue up this the... Is, this is going to take you back. Everything takes me back. I was watching WrestleMania 9 before you came in here. So close your eyes. Okay. You ready? Mm. Let me know. I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So who was the first WWF Triple Crown winner? WWF... Oh, who's calling me? <laughs> Hang up on them. Yeah. Ruin the show. Who was the first WWF Triple Crown winner, WWF title, IC title, and tag title? This is a good one. Because I think I know. I know who the first Grand Slam winner was. That'd be yeah. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. The first. You're right. You're right with Shawn. Mm-hmm. Is Shawn the first? Tri- no. No, I didn't say that. I didn't think so. He's the first Grand Slam. He's won the right. European title. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> um. So the first Triple Crown winner, I'm going to guess Bret Hart. No. Okay. The first. I'll give you a hint. He recently passed away. I mean, that could be a lot of people. Mean Gene (laughs) (laughs) Pedro Morales. Okay. That's way past my watching days so that doesn't count sorry collector <laughs> well this is what he wrote he said i'll give an easier one too in case i get called a cheater again <laughs> and it was the grand slam question. yeah he weren't yeah. a cheater that's just too old <laughs> you need to you need to send that question to greetings from allentown they greet the greetings from allentown podcast he will know that question gf yeah. allentown i do not know it okay but i do his other questions so good so yeah. i win yeah you do win i win yeah <laughs> you're a winner <laughs> a winner is you okay Ridiculous wrestling stuff. <clears throat> First off, wrestling itself is ridiculous. True. But this is a little bit more detailed as far as yeah. ridiculous stuff. and So, of course, you have to s- suspend your disbelief in a lot of different situations, right? <laughs> Pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- sometimes you'll you'll be in, but yes, there's there's a few particular things we've got to suspend our disbelief about. You you said before, before we started this was you kind of left out some of the more popular ones. Did except, you have- except for one, because I just felt like it needed a little more context. Well, let's start with that one. All right. So this one, I titled it Strange Couple. So at the end of this one is when May gives birth to a hand. So that's no, okay. all people that just... Was, okay, that's, was, that wasn't what I thought you said we're, we're going to say. But okay. finish with this one, then I'll go with what I thought you were going to say. So almost every time something comes up, it's like May gave birth to a hand. A stupid storyline, she gave birth to a hand. But there's really no context to it. Yes. So I think what I want to kind of add is just go through, like, just kind of summarize the whole story. And why it was so awesome for you. Let's hear I don't know if it was awesome. It was just one of those, you know, ridiculously things that just at the time was funny. And just Uh nobody understands why it's funny. It's just (laughs) just Attitude Era was just so stupid that even, like, the really stupid things were still funny. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so this one in late 2000, it was like an oddly sweet romance <laughs> between uh, May Young and Mark Henry. Uh, May is, you know, at the time, still was. Well, I was going to say still is, but she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like an old school cigar smoking, tough as nails woman. Yeah. And Mark Henry at the time was kind of like a newcomer and kind of a sweetheart, but yeah. he was like a big, strong power lifter. So just the dynamic of them two being a couple was, I think, more for gags. But this was after he was in the nation of domination, so he wasn't a sweet newcomer. The storyline wasn't in 96. That's true. So, but he was still young yeah, like, compared yeah, he, to like his career. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
It wasn't his debut. We get no, it wasn't his debut. But okay. at this, by this time, now he's sexual chocolate. And then they even got pregnant, which is ridiculous in its own right, because Mae Young is like 75, 77. And that's just dumb <laughs> that she's pregnant. Um, so then a week after week, people were wondering if it's going to be a boy, is it going to be a girl, you know, what is she going to give birth to? And I don't know if people were wondering if it was a boy I was. Or a girl. <laughs> and then... Uh, then she's shown on Raw giving birth. So she's in, on Raw surrounded by Moolah, Briscoe, Mark Henry, Patterson, and an EMT uh-huh. like on a table with a sheet over her giving birth. And right. Moolah's over. I mean, it's just like uh, a total scene of, you know, somebody giving birth. You yeah. Know, Moolah's like, push, 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 May. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. I, I can't see it. And then there's like fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's holding their nose because it smells so bad. Did this happen over nine months, or was this a much shorter period? It's probably a shorter period. Okay. And then uh, Patterson goes off screen. He comes back, brings EMT some vice grips <laughs> to like pull out whatever whatever May's giving birth to. <laughs> uh, so he's pulling <clears throat> with some high tech sound effects in the background. It's like squeaking rubber, mm-hmm. and then like water splashes <laughs> sounds. And then they pull out this rubber hand and it's like a cartoony hand covered with like nickelodeon slime and everybody's like grossed out by what it is um and then he goes let's give us a hand yeah <laughs> so briscoe starts puking they show mark henry he's smiling like a proud papa um and then about 12 years later so that was that scene they had the baby had the hand 12 years later at Raw 1000, Mae Young is shown backstage. It was like a grown-up hand, yeah. <laughs> like in a hand costume. <laughs> and that's what I love about, like, callbacks. like Especially ridiculous callbacks. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. I don't – even you explain that now, and I lived through that. Yeah. Someone, like, watching that now is like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it is. It is. But it kind of worked at the time. Not really, but kind of. Would you agree or not agree? No, I would agree. I mean, for the time. If it was on, uh, you know, tonight mm-hmm. or, you know, a Monday night, that, well, what the hell's going on? <laughs> but it made sense back then. So the thing I thought you were going to say, which was common, was the Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior story. Okay. Where Papa Shango put a curse on the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And he did a thing where he would he was puking all over people and <clears> his uh, his... Uh, his head was like bleeding black from his from his hairline. Yeah, and, and you can see like the tube. Yeah, like in you, his hair. Right. So <laughs> what's funny is I didn't, I couldn't see it at the time when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But looking back on it, I was like, oh my god, he's wearing this jacket. He's like fiddling around with like the pump in his pockets, trying to get it to come out, mm-hmm. like the the blood from or the black ooze from his head. And it's just Papa Shango was this like eerie, dark voodoo character. That got over, and people were, and he was a good wrestler because you know the Godfather's a good wrestler, and he was just a, this eerie guy that got, that for some reason as a kid I loved it. Like it I worked. did too. It worked. And, and I, I was sad when he left and it got repackaged as the Supreme Fighting Machine. Yeah, and I'm like, well, what happened to Shango? <laughs> did you know he was Shango? Because I didn't. I didn't, but the ta- I think later on, like with the tattoos and stuff like that, he was more similar. And then yeah, magazines or whatever. I read that he used to be. And- mm-hmm. I like the Shango character more than I did the I think Supreme everyone Fighting liked, Machine. Everybody liked Papa Shango, and he, yeah, like that storyline, especially with the warrior puking. I remember yeah. that episode of Superstars when he puked all over everybody because he's like mm-hmm. his stomach's like having convulsions, and he did the fake puke. My sister and I were watching, and she was like, "Ah, oh, that's so gross." <laughs> 
I loved it. But it was great. It was. That was not on my list, but that's what I thought you were going to talk about. Okay. The first thing on my list is the two doinks from WrestleMania 9. All right. I love this for a couple reasons. Did this come up because we were talking about Crush? <laughs> no, but <laughs> okay. so I was watching this match. What's funny is I was—I almost took a picture of it. I was watching this match, WrestleMania 9, and before, while Crush is coming out, they show like the crowd. And there's this kid in the front row doing the Crush thing with his hands. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. That was me. That was you <laughs> trying to grab that kid by the <laughs> I mean, head. You can't tell me that wasn't over. All those kids were doing it. Yeah, but not all of them tried it in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could lift him. I, I did. I, go thought, back, I thought he'd go with it. Go back to our SummerSlam 92 show, please, and listen to the story <laughs> of Eric talk about putting the Kona crush on someone in real life. Maybe someday I'll just I'll just replay that over on a loop over and over again. You can. So anyway. Like a week off or something. Yeah. We have weeks off all the time. So anyway, the the match happens, and before this, they there was a few things building up to this crush doink storyline. Also, this is the evil doink, which is like everyone's favorite version of Doink the Clown. Mm-hmm. And there was like a loaded arm, like it was basically a, a plaster cast arm that he was getting hit with. And they were kind of like in the modern day would be the twin magic with the Bellas, like mm-hmm. switching out from under the ring with the two doinks and all that stuff. And doinks kept saying, oh, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. And what I love about this is not the fact that during the match, at the end of the match, the doink rolls under the ring. Another doink, or no, another doink just comes out, mm-hmm. hits crush over the head with this plaster thing, knocks him out. And then one, two, three, he, Doink wins. And after the match, both Doinks are looking at each other, pretending to do like the Doinks yeah. in the mirror thing. Right. I love it for, that's just a whatever storyline. I love this for a couple reasons. Why I love that Bobby Heenan saying, it's an illusion. It's just one. Oh, what a trick. What a trick. Putting it over. Mm-hmm. The Macho Man's talking to him in the commentary. He's like, what are you talking about, Heenan? Those are two guys. And, and then, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, and then Bobby's like, what are you talking about, Macho? You got glasses with Macho written across the eyes. What could you possibly even see? <laughs> yeah. It's an illusion. And then after the match, another ref comes down. To tell the other, oh, there was two doinks. And the ref's like, no, no, there's only one. And look under the ring, and the doinks is not there. So uh-huh. they're, they're like playing it off like he pulled this off. Even though everyone saw it was two doinks. I just love that they, they're I like. I think there was one. It was an illusion? Yes. You think it was an illusion. Okay. <laughs> yep. They need to bring that back. And also, <laughs> I, I always wanted to. My friend and I, for our Hasbro's, a bunch of people did this. But I had the doink, and so did he. And we re- would recreate that match with the nice. two doinks. You know, we would That's put cool. their hands up with each other. You got to do that. Can't do that now because how yeah. damn expensive those things are. But we would do that all the time. It's good well, you stuff. You could buy the uh, Mattel one. I have one Mattel one. Yeah. So you got to find a friend with the other one. <laughs> yeah. I do. Uh, what else? You get? What's another one you got? Uh, <clears throat> Maybe cough into the mic a little bit louder. <clears throat> next. Stop. <clears throat> I got uh, Flair goes to the insane asylum. Do you remember this one? In WCW? Yeah. Kind of. So you're going to have to refresh my memory. So in April of 99, WCW was in a weird downward spiral of like reinventing itself. Ric Flair was president and he was progressively going insane, you know, over the weeks. Yeah. And Roddy Piper was the commissioner. And at this point, Roddy Piper convinces uh, Rick's son, David, to have Rick committed to the Central Florida mental hospital okay so this is like starts the beginning of nitro so <laughs> rick is getting carted off to this hospital like on a gurney the loony bin yeah yeah but in like an ambulance so whatever it was but it was had a big sticker on the side of the van that said uh, central florida mental hospital so during the nitro show they just keep showing clips of rick inside the nut house <laughs> he's like wooing uh-huh strutting and just acting goofy with like in his boxers so it, he's normally in his like tight 
pants, like yeah. you know, underwear type things with uh-huh. a robe. But this one made him look more crazy because he's wearing boxers <laughs> instead of the tight tight underwear. Which is kind of funny when you think about it. So now now he's really wearing underwear, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's palling around with all these crazy guys and they're really like hyping up like and I don't even know what word to use anymore. It's like really insensitive of how they're acting like mentally handicapped and drooling and uh-huh. just, just really acting nutty. Which I don't even know if that's uh, politically correct to call Pro- it. Probably not. <laughs> so at one point, Flair is shown wrestling a buff nurse. Like, you get this blonde, like, really ripped nurse. And uh-huh. he's, like, wrestling around with her. <laughs> <laughs> he's wrestling with the nurse. Yeah. What episode of Nitro is this, if people want to look at? Um, Do you have it? I don't remember. Oh, good. That's helpful. Well, I didn't write it down. Okay. But it's in uh, nine, uh, April. Yeah, April 99. So somewhere in there. Uh, where was I? Oh, so he's wrestling Buffalo. Later in the night, he's asking a black guy to show him some soul while he dances. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Scott Hall comes up to them and just scoffs. So at this time, Scott Hall was off TV for almost a year. So I, maybe this kind of explains where he's been this whole time. He's in his uh, insane asylum. Um, with Rick out of the picture, Piper took some liberties to reinstate Randy Savage and announced that DDP would put his world title on the line against a returning sting. So right now, Piper is just taking over the show. Rick doesn't like it. He's calling Charles Robinson from a payphone, you know, giving him all these demands. So at the end, Flair eventually got released because Arn Anderson posted bail. It doesn't make sense. I like, yeah, why would he bail for him? <laughs> I like that Rick was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm like, I'm not going to half-ass it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh I don't have much else to say about this because I, <laughs> I, I was I was barely watching WWE at the time mm-hmm. in '99, but I do want to lead into uh, the next thing we had, which was also WCW '99, yeah, which is a little something that sounds like this. Hey. Ah, uh, hey, rap. Spoiled it. Rap is crap. It's a bunch of crap. Ah, I hate rap. <laughs> did you know that got airplay in the southern states? It did it? Radio airplay? <laughs> yeah. Jim, look at Kurt singing it. Ah, <laughs> hey, rap. What's funny is there's, so really quick, for some context, that's the West Texas Rednecks, a mm-hmm. WCW stable made up of Kurt Henning, Bobby Duncan Jr., Barry Windham, Kendall Windham, and Curly Bill, the West Texas Rednecks. Yeah. They were in a, a feud with a rival group. The No Limit Soldiers. Led by Master P. Yeah. And... What's funny is there's the Rust Testics Rednecks are supposed to be the heels. Yeah. But in the southern states, they are not the heels. They are not the heels. They're heroes. Right. <laughs> but that rap is crap song is catchy. It's kind of like the... <laughs> it is. You know, I think we got the Conrad and Bruce Pritchard got With My Baby Tonight back up and the rotation. Let's get this. Yeah. Let's so we'll this. play this every time. <laughs> It'll be the lead into the show. <laughs> there's not much to talk about with this storyline other than the fact that it was kind of racist. Yeah. But catchy song, right? 
Yeah, but that's basically the storyline. Was that it was it yeah. was the No Limit Soldiers versus the West Texas Rednecks about the country music versus rap. Mm-hmm. I, felt, is, I felt like this lasted longer, but when I looked at it, it only lasted from July '99 to October of '99. Yeah, I thought it lasted like a whole year. Yeah, and then it, they rivaled with other groups. I think Four Horsemen because Mister um, Oh Mister Perfect Kurt Hennig like screwed him over at the whatever that was. Right? Yeah. Brawl, not the brawl for all. Fall brawl. <laughs> That's it. Fall the brawl. brawl for all. The brawl, fall brawl. The fall brawl for all. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just a story that I, just, I really just wanted Hughes to play that song. Yeah. So there's not much to say about the storyline, but did it was Did you have ridiculous. that before I sent that to you last night? No, I did not. So now <laughs> I played the song, so that, I was happy about that it. That was on my list. Good. But when I'm doing research, there really wasn't a whole lot to say about no, it. No, there's like not. Just said. It's it's like this, it only lasted like four months. It's just a song. <laughs> uh, another, but, I think, the, but the Master P storyline, like that was kind of it i was i'm not gonna well i will say it that was fun really like master, master p? p and it's like silk the shocker and like you get like these rappers coming in and there's this one guy who was swole and like he was huge like he was jack <laughs> and they made a good team because he, he knew they were buddies outside of wrestling maybe one jet show we will take a look back at 1999 wcw yeah that, that might be like the 95 uh, wwf where we find the good in 99 <laughs> wcw yep. okay we, maybe we will do that <laughs> Uh, I want to go to Twitter now for a couple suggestions. One, this I told you to watch today. This was suggested to me by KP and DC. He suggested the Raw Bowl from 96. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought this was in like 93 or 94. It was in 96. and I, I never heard of it. And really? I don't remember it. Okay, so it was uh, New Year's Day, 1996. Raw did a special edition of Monday Night Raw because it was New Year's Day, so probably soon there's going to be a lot of people watching anyway, mm-hmm. called the Raw Bowl, which was – Two a set of teams, two sets of teams, and it was all themed to football. Yeah. So the ring, this is like it's the January first episode of Raw ninety six. Go ahead and watch it. The ring it. looks like a football field. Yes. Earl Hebner's in an NFL referee costume. Yeah. All the wrestlers have jerseys on. It was who? It was Razor Ramon, um, the Smoking Guns, Psycho Sid, One Two Three Kid, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and who else? I think no, I said it. Yoko. But. Yeah. I think that I was think it. it. Let me let me double check really quick to make sure I don't forget anybody because people will call us out. I found that like you got that wrong. I'm like sorry, <laughs> um, the, the raw bowl. Let's look it up on Wikipedia here. But the funny thing about this is not only the, the visual of everyone in football. Oh, gear. Savio Vega. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not only the visual of everyone in football gear, but the commentary of Vince McMahon saying Everything oh what is football a, related. oh touchdown what a tackle oh unnecessary roughness and all this yeah. stuff and the match lasts a long time mm-hmm. you know so you kind of skipped over it like you said well i watched about 5 10 minutes of it and then i'm like well this is if this is all it is then you know i'm i'm good <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious like i said it's it, just the visual when you the show for the whole show itself is 45 minutes it also has mm-hmm. a diesel versus king mabel squash match at the end, of, as the main event of the show, and also it ends up with the huckster, the Nacho Man, billionaire Ted Skit. Yeah, but and this the is Scheme Gene. Yeah, Scheme Gene. This leads in. This is the show before Shawn Michaels has his comeback announcement for the Royal Rumble '96. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they hype up for next week. But this was fun. I would like them to do something like this again if they yeah. have just a, a holiday show. This is a New Year's Day Raw. I'm like, why I think not? I'll, I think I'll give it a watch because when you sent it to me, I was only like awake for ten minutes. So when I wake up, I'm kind of annoyed by everything. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm watching, and I'm like, how could you be annoyed by the Raw Bowl? Well, it was, it was a little too much too soon. <laughs> yeah, and they, and like the jersey numbers, the one two three kids number one two three. Yeah. Yokozuna's like number six hundred and forty something because it's right. how much he weighs, and mm-hmm. 
In, in Razor like, was four for the amount of Intercontinental the, titles he won. And the rules were ridiculous, too, because you could tag in anybody you wanted, mm-hmm. and like it was just so goofy. Yeah. But it's it, the again the visual of seeing the Raw Bowl is fun. So thank you to KP and DC for telling me that. And I read that it wasn't on the network for a while. Really? And the well, maybe it was an older article. Okay. Well, I'm glad it was. I'm glad I found uh-huh. it. It was awesome. So the Raw Bowl, ridiculous match storyline that mm-hmm. it's fun. It was. What else you got? Um, I got this one's titled Three's a Crowd." <clears throat> so in 1998, WWF decided it would be a great idea to make Hawks. Like drug and alcohol problems, like part of a real life. From the Legion of Doom. I remember this. Oh, my God. Go ahead. So they make it look like Hawk was becoming unreliable, and that's why they added Draws to be the third person Legion of Doom. So at the point, it's like, I think it's Puke or Draws, whatever it was, but it's Puke, Animal, and Hawk, uh, part of the Legion. So this makes Hawk fall more into a depression because he feels like he's useless (laughs) and not part of like this (laughs) big rock star team that he used to be with. Uh Um and I think they might have left after this story, but I really don't remember what what happened afterwards. But this one Raw, they show Hawk. He's wasted and suicidal, and he climbs Yeah, up. like, what the hell? <laughs> so this is like, you know, you're supposed to be an entertaining show, and I really felt like it was bringing me down. Cause Hawk is like, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's completely wasted backstage. He comes out. He starts climbing the... Um, at the time, they had, like, the big Titan the Tron. Titan but Tron, this, yeah. The, like, the steel trusses. Yeah surrounding it so he starts climbing up you know the steel trusses which is kind of like a ladder climbs up gets to the top and then animal and puke are like come on hawk come down come down and hawk is like no i'm not coming down and puke starts climbing up and i'm like this is what is wrong with what is going on so puke is climbing up i think he's draws by the i think he's only puke for like a week okay so draws is climbing up the the steel truss and he gets almost up there and he has a hand on hawk mm-hmm. but then he shoves him <laughs> because he goes up there to save him and he shoves him but you don't see him fall but you could just imagine him falling well, like a falls. shadow behind the tron fall yeah. right oh my god so he fell and he's dead or something i don't know what happened but that, that was one of the things that I remember, like, stuck with me all these years. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a positive memory, but it stuck with you. So it's a, a yeah. ridiculous storyline that you enjoyed. And, and not that it – I mean, at this time, I guess they were bringing a lot of, like, personal problems into real, um, like, storylines. Yeah. I remember the Scott Hall thing, the drunk thing. and Yeah, both of them. Not a good idea. Yeah. Don't, don't do that again, guys. And Hardy, like, later on with his alcohol problems yeah. and CM Punk and throwing beer in his face. Yeah, but that was weird. Like, remember the Jericho thing where he's like, your father's an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm like, well, how is that CM Punk? Like, how is that negative to him? It's not his yeah. fault. Like, like if you knew CM Punk, you knew he didn't live with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he moved in with his neighbors. Watch the documentary, <laughs> Jericho. That was great. Uh, is that all you get to say about Hawk being pushed off the Titan Tron? Yeah, I think they left after that <laughs> to go to WCW or go back to WCW. So this is another WCW one, also from Twitter. Uh, Scott from the Fully Posable Podcast. You can follow him at Feed Me Taco Bell. And he, and also make sure you're listening to the Fully Posable show. He said something I completely forgot about. It was from Halloween Havoc 1990, where Sting was facing against Sid in the main event. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but this ridiculous thing happens where. Was it Robocop? No, that's, um, <laughs> okay. that's Capital Carnage, I think. Or not that not capital carnage, capital combat. Okay. Uh, so what this is, what this RoboCop thing's ridiculous. I should have mentioned that. But anyway, yeah. so the main event: Sting versus Sid Vicious, WCW World Title main event: U.S. Pavilion in Chicago, Halloween Havoc. At some point, the four horsemen come out: Arn Anderson and um, Ric Flair, and they're kind of distracting Sting. And then 
Sid kind of runs away, so Sting goes after him. Mm-hmm. And Sid comes back to the ring, and then all of a sudden, Sting comes back, and he gets goes to body slam Sid, but he falls down. Sid pins him one, two, three. Okay. And the crowd kind of pops like, "Ooh, we got a new champ!" Especially the guys. I remember. I know the guys in the front row did. It's kind of well, weird. I remember back then, I was like a big Sid Mark. Yeah. So the crowd goes kind of crazy. It's Chicago because they always cheer the bad guys anyway. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, Sting comes back. But the problem was, you didn't. The crowd didn't realize that there was two stings because unlike the two doinks, they weren't in the ring at the same time. Okay. So the real sting comes back in the ring. Do they look the same? It's They're in the same gear. Okay. So Jim Ross kind of says something after it's over. So Sting put you know hits Sid with the belt, puts him in the corner, Stinger splash, one, two, three, he wins. Mm-hmm. But... And then, and then um, Jim Ross was in the commentary. like, oh, that, that other Sting looked like Barry Windham. So Barry Windham was dressed up as Sting because okay. he had the blonde hair. So then they show a replay. Both When the first Sting lost, he's walking to the back. The other Sting comes back. They kind of cross paths in the aisle way. But the camera doesn't catch it. And uh-huh. also, the other Sting has rope in his arm, like a, a, a broken rope on his arm. Yeah. So apparently he got tied up in the back. Like that's what so happened. The real to him. sting got tied up in the back. Yeah, and Wyndham lost. Yeah, so you're confused, yeah. and like it was so ridiculous. But I was like, I just love the vision, like the thought of this actually happening. I'm like, okay, here's so what the we're camera do. missed it. If the camera would have, if we would have seen it on our camera, it would have made sense. Yes, that the two. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It almost wouldn't have made sense because he, the first thing lost before the two stings crossed paths. Okay, so you didn't know there was two stings. I will say they did a good job of not showing his face, just his back, yeah, and like the blonde hair and his tights. But it was ridiculous. And thank you to Scott for telling me that to go watch that because I suggest mm-hmm. you go watch it. Halloween Havoc 1990. Watch okay. the main event. It was, it was hilarious. And again, they completely screwed it up with the cameraman. The crowd was confused. The visual of other Sting being tied up and then breaking through a rope. And it's not even like a real rope. It's like a twine hanging off his wrist. Okay. And like Jim Ross is kind of trying to save it. He's like, oh, he, he was tied up in the rope. So he must have been uh, tied up back there. That's why he couldn't get it. He was tied up. Yep, apparently. <laughs> and it was it's ridiculous. So good stuff from WCW from our friends in 1990. <laughs> uh, another one I got is the Kiss My Foot match. Between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. That was terrible. King of the Ring 95. Yeah. A couple things about this match. Uh, I thought of it because Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, they, they played a podcast from Jericho's Cruise where Jerry Lawler was talking about the Kiss My Foot match with Bret mm-hmm. Hart. And he goes, I don't know how he did it, but Bret Hart imagined me to get me to kiss my own foot. <laughs> um, I didn't realize a couple things. I didn't realize that this storyline was going on. So they started their story in June of 93 at the first King of the Ring pay-per-view. It continues, okay. and this is King of the Ring 95. They're still feuding. So Brett has a great 94, gets screwed, loses the title to Bob Backlund, then it goes to Diesel. WWE is mm-hmm. running on Diesel power. And then Brett gets put back into this feud with Jerry Lawler, where he's facing the dentist. And so Joint it's always kind of like the, the, the background feud. It is. And kind of like, let's say, um, Miz and Daniel Bryan. Kind of. But this, I think, is a little bit different because – the champion during the Miz Daniel Bryan's AJ Styles, like he's a, the everyone loves the champ. The champ here is yeah. Diesel, and no one's really getting behind Diesel power in '95, mm-hmm. as, as the ratings and attendance would show. But anyway, this the, something happened throughout the week with so Jerry Lawler's gross royal feet. Gross, he's gum gross. They're always putting over how nasty his feet are. Uh-huh. 
And even like the graphic of the match is Bret Hart versus the king. There's like a foot behind him, his gross foot. <laughs> so the loser has to kiss the winner's feet. And then Bret Hart's doing a promo before the match. He's like, you know, i got to be honest. I'm a little apprehensive about his dirty lips touching my feet. <laughs> like his dirty lips. <laughs> See? He doesn't want to get his feet any grosser. Exactly. So, you know, so Bret Hart wins the match. He puts – the match is actually pretty good. A couple things I noticed about this match is, one – how over Brett is, even during this crazy 95. People are going nuts for this match. Also, Jerry Lawler doesn't do anything, but everything he does is so meaningful to the crowd, like his punches, mm-hmm. his selling, going for the power where, driver. Where was the match at? Philadelphia. Okay. So even that, there's even like the ECW guys in the front row, so they're booing the hell out of it because this is the King of the Ring where Diesel wins the, or not Diesel, King Mabel wins the King of the uh-huh. Ring tournament. So that's ridiculous as, enough, as it is. And then I think the main event was... Uh, Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Sid and Tatanka. Like, what the hell are you guys thinking, you know? but I'll You know t- I love Tatanka. You're the only one who loves Tatanka. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the match itself was great. I loved it. The, and then after the end, Brett puts his foot in his mouth. And I was like, oh, gross, gross. Yeah. But then Brett kind of pauses. Oh, no. And he shoves oh, Jerry no. Lawler's foot into his mouth. <laughs> it's worth going back to watch. I love this. It, the the fact that they put that up as a stipulation is hilarious, but the fact that they executed it so well in a great match is even better. Yeah. So go back and watch the 95 King of the Ring just for that match. Yeah. The Tonkinson. Yeah, anyway. That, I just confirmed that was the main event. It was okay. going to drive me nuts if I was wrong, but it was. So what do you got? Because I have a few more. The I know you didn't watch TNA, but hopefully a lot of other people did. So in, in 2012, there was a tag team. They're still together. with a bad influence, Kaz and Daniels, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Is that SCU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So at this time, they were called Ego. That was their tag team name. So in 2012, they went on for weeks saying that they had a secret about AJ Styles, and they would tell everyone in the impact zone if he didn't. So weeks go by. And after some revealing photos, uh, Daniels accuses AJ of having an affair with Dixie Carter. They show pictures of him, like, holding her face. And then another picture of him, like, hugging her, almost like kissing her cheek, but you couldn't really tell. So then um, Daniels like, you know, you've been the poster boy for TNA since day one, and now we know why, you know, because you're having an affair with, uh, with Dixie what Carter. What year was this? 2012. Okay. So after this went on for a few weeks, a woman came out, and it was revealed her name was Claire Lynch, and she said that nothing was going on between AJ and Dixie, and the reason they were seen together was because they helped her overcome a drug addiction. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a terrible actress, so all, as the weeks go Who's by- Who's a terrible actress? Claire Lynch. Okay. Um, so at that point, like, it's pretty, yeah. Yeah. Well, then Christopher Daniel says that there is more to the Claire story, and it is her who AJ was having an affair with, and she's pregnant with AJ's baby. <laughs> okay. So then AJ, I'm in. I like that. I'm in already. I love it. AJ goes on to have a match against Daniels. Okay. Adding the stipulation that if he if AJ loses, he'll accept that he's the father of Claire's child, <laughs> but if he wins, he'll get a paternity test. Okay. AJ wins the match. So as they're about to reveal the paternity test. Claire Lynch's lawyer comes out, interrupts like the results, and <laughs> says that Claire admits to drugging AJ and that she never had an affair with him. And okay, the baby is not his. So this, I'm so lost about the storyline. Are you lost? Did I, did I screw you up there with your notes? No, no, no. Okay, I, I mean it is confusing. So 
Claire Lynch is such a terrible actress that the fans find out who she is. Okay. And then threaten her and make fun of her and all that kind of stuff. She just quit. So they have to end the storyline. So she quit before the... That's how they ended the storyline, was with the lawyer coming out saying that it was all Claire Lynch who drugged everybody, <laughs> or drugged AJ and made made this all up. So it How ends long that did the storyline go on for? About three months. Okay. So Daniels is saying that AJ was having an affair with... <laughs> having how are you? You're having, the one who told me the story. Having, how having, no, I'm just watching. Oh, you're just <laughs> confusing me. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Okay, so the uh, bottom line is go watch AJ have an affair, but not an affair with Dixie Carter because he's helping someone with a drug addiction. Yeah. Good guy, AJ Styles. Good guy. Poor AJ. He's a good guy. But the guy. part that confused me most of all was when he had the match and he had the stipulation. Like, he couldn't take a paternity test no matter what. No. He was like, only if he won, he would take a paternity test. <sighs> I agree. So, okay, so Jordan, uh, I'm doing a live broadcast. Uh, Jordan J.M. Rube says, Eric's a Cubs fan? Come on, man. He is. It's true. Yes, but you're more of just a whatever fan now. What do you mean, whatever? I don't know. You like football more. You like the Steelers more than baseball. Or I like Steelers and the Cubs. And Those are my two it. teams. Yeah. yeah. I'll try to get into the Bulls every now and then, but I just kind of don't get into it. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about fake sports. No more real sports. Okay. Okay, so my other thing that I want to talk about was the thing I was watching today, which was the storyline going into WrestleMania 9 of Bruce the Butter Beefcake's destroyed face. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Where he got the parasailing accent, so he came back with a mascot. But before that, there was an episode of Raw where Money Inc. smashed his face open. Not, it did not open, it smashed his face with the briefcase. And they sold it so well, like Jimmy Hart even tried to stop him. He's like, oh, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. And this is kind of the catalyst for Hulk Hogan coming back in 93. Yeah. And everybody hates like this WrestleMania in 93 and that storyline and all that stuff. But I was like in so hard as a fan in 93 that it didn't matter to me. Well, I think the the Brutus thing, I was kind of into that, too, because, I mean, I kind of believe, like, if people have something injured and they come back, you always have to, like, yeah. avoid that part of their body. Yeah, but they were selling it like his face was smashed like a jigsaw puzzle, like yeah. in a million pieces. I think so, they even said that. It was a million pieces. <laughs> yeah, it was. So he comes back, you know, and then and then Hogan comes back for, for the wrestlemania match with the money inc mm-hmm. and this leads into brutus wearing this ridiculous outfit which i love and i had the elite i'm so glad they made an elite figure for it because i bought it mm-hmm. and i just i don't know i was into this story and i watched it today the match is fun everybody's watching it you know every, like, right collector Derek said they got us to care about brother brudai they did i cared about him i think everybody cared about brother brudai mm-hmm. but that Cutting was strutting he was, guy. he was. And also, during, the match itself was ridiculous because Jimmy Hart flips his jacket inside out to become, it's wearing a striped ref okay. jacket. Like, okay. oh, he's the ref. But before that, Earl Hebner declares that if Money Inc., they were just going to walk away and get counted out. He was like, if they walk away, they will lose the tag titles. And I'm like, you can't just make the rules unless <laughs> you go along. <laughs> but they did. So, what are you going to do? I really wanted Hogan and Brudai to win you, the tag titles. You wanted them to win them, and they yeah. didn't. So, what are you going to do, though, right? I don't know. Show up at the end of the night and win the world title. <laughs> it's cure for Bret Hart. <laughs> Make everybody go home happy. Also, after that match, they get the briefcase. Like, they take Money Inc.'s golden briefcase. Yeah. And uh, Hulk Hogan flips it open, like, to see what's in there. And he pulls out a brick. And <laughs> It was a loaded briefcase. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Bobby Heaney goes, oh, you never know when you're going to need a brick. <laughs> never. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need a brick. So that was funny, too. So go back and watch that as well, guys. Another ridiculous storyline, Brother Brudai. We're going to stop the live broadcast here and uh, new show will be out tomorrow as you get to hear the whole thing. Thanks, guys, for who was following us. Um, 
What do you got? What's your next one you got? So I've got another one. It's, it's I don't even remember this, but when I was going through, I was looking at the WLC and then in like the next, uh, WLC. Okay. Yeah. The WLC was, is on YouTube cause it's part of a pre-show. So then it's on the network too. Yeah. But I was on YouTube. Okay. So then there's like, you know, uh, just a list of things that will play next, like after this video plays. So then I saw something about the little people's court and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I turned that on and I kind of remember, but then I don't, but it was just enough for me to keep watching it. <clears throat> I forgot what year, but I didn't even say what year it was. I started, I didn't even research it, but Sean and triple H had reformed DX. So maybe like 2009, yeah, 2007, whatever it was. And I remember Hornswoggle wanted to be part of the group. Cause I remember watching every now and then Hornswoggle would be out there with them, but I didn't watch enough to know the storyline. So over some weeks, DX and triple H were beating him up and making fun of Hornswoggle for wanting to be part of DX. Uh, this led to Hornswoggle suing them for emotional and physical distress, and DX had to show up to court. But I guess the court that they showed up to was on Monday Night Raw. So they show up on Raw, it's an empty arena, and Sean and Triple H are kind of walking around and like, well, maybe we need to go under the ring, because that's where he lives. <laughs> so, they, so they get on the ground, they climb under the ring, and it's like pitch black, and then they crack their uh, DX glow sticks. So they got their DX shirts, and their tight jeans, and their you know bandanas, and all this, you know gimmicked out dx stuff crack the glow sticks and they find a light switch they turn it on so it's essentially they're in a backstage hallway so they walk down and they see this little sign on the door that says the little people's court (laughs) they look at it it's just like the people's court and they open the door and they walk in and the judge is a little person the jury the bailiff they're all just Mm -hmm. little people with little chairs. <laughs> so, like, Sean and Triple H have to sit in these I little chairs. I can't believe you liked it. Everybody hated it. They hated it? Yes. So, there's, you know, they make all their dumb jokes. And they call them midgets and dwarves. And tri- I didn't say I liked it. I said this is, like, a ridiculous thing. Okay. I didn't, are we are we supposed to like this stuff? These are, ridiculous? like, our favorite ridiculous storylines. I, I wasn't on the board with that okay. one. Okay. <laughs> I was just going with ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> so then... Triple H even compares uh, Sean's balding head to the bailiff. They have like a similar hairstyle. (laughs) So he's balding. He's got the long hair. But anyways, they start making jokes and can't get over short and little like when they're trying to talk. And then they piss off like the little people. The little people start chasing them out. They climb from out from under the ring. (laughs) So then later in Raw, um, they make a deal with Hornswoggle. You you wasted a lot of time watching all this, huh? It wasn't a waste of time. Okay. I was getting into it. So that sounds like so it. So then at the end of it, Hornswoggle comes out and agrees to drop the lawsuit if Triple H lets him into the group. But Triple H only allows him to be the DX mascot. So the shirt that I really liked that came out of this was a DX was, um, you know, like the cartoon. Cur- yeah, I know what you're talking about. The Swoggle was on the front doing the DX chop, and then the Sean and HBK are up there doing the X in the air. Will Hornswoggle be inducted into DX Hall of Fame? No. Why? Because he's not part of DX. Who do you think is going to induct DX into the Hall of Fame? Mm. I'm going to guess Hall and Nash. You think so? I mean, who else would? Because normally they all induct each other. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I thought. Someone mentioned Bret Hart. I'm like, that wouldn't be cool. <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anybody else. Maybe the, new day, maybe the new day. You know, they're a, a faction. Yeah. Maybe. That's all I can think of. But no, not Bischoff. Anyway, I was thinking about that the other day. So. so what do you think about No Rick Rude? 
I don't, to me, he wasn't, he wasn't in DX. Like he, he wasn't there that long either. Yeah, he was in the beginning. Right, the very beginning. But he was also like not a member of Dix. He was like their like secure, head of security okay. or consultant or something. I'm All okay right. with it. I mean, Rick's already in the Hall of Fame too, so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I guess Sean is, but he's a two-time Hall of Famer. I do like how some people are like, I don't like how Sean's two-time Hall of Fame. That should be reserved for Rick Flair. I'm like, this Hall of Fame doesn't mean anything. It means like yeah. what Vince decides who's in that year. Like it's yeah. not like specific criteria. So well, I'm glad China's finally getting in. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. That's fine. I'm glad Xbox is getting it because I think he go, he'd go in on his own for mm-hmm. everything he did, but I, I'm glad he's getting in for sure. And Triple H coming in before, and I think the Outlaws could have went in as a tag team yeah. just by themselves, but Triple H going in before going in as a singles star is kind of weird to me. But I guess do you think DX is like what kind of broke him? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, other than his classic feud with Henry Godwin in the in the <laughs> the Hogfin <laughs> match, say classic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got. A, I think I got one more of mm-hmm. these, and it's one that Collector Derek also had. I had it before him, though, with his cheating questions. The Hulk Hogan Zeus storyline from 1989. Okay. So if you guys remember, No Holds Bar was a movie where Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister both starred in. Tiny Lister played this character named Zeus, who was this evil, man-made type wrestler who was out to destroy Hulk Hogan. No Holds Bar is its own movie. Maybe we'll do a random show on wrestling movies one day and, and talk about that one. But he was playing a character in a fictional movie. But then he showed up on WWE, WWF television as a real character with his story being he was jealous or mad of all this, the attention and stardom Hogan got from their movie. Uh-huh. Which is fine, but then shouldn't the actor be the one to attack him not the character yeah. but maybe he got so into the character he became zeus and zeus as you found out his one weakness was if you hit him in his crooked eye he would <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a boss on a nintendo game yeah he would he go just down like, he just like shake yeah he, oh, he couldn't do anything but as a kid i was kind of just starting to watch it and I got a lot of my Zeus fix from old tapes. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched that super tape over and over again with the main event of Beefcake and Hogan versus Zeus and Macho King in the cage. Yeah. Also, the SummerSlam 89 main event, you know, mm-hmm. Hogan and Beefcake versus Macho King and Zeus with Queen Sherry. Yeah. I was afraid of Zeus. Me too. When like we were kids, though. <laughs> I didn't, like, they did a good job, as ridiculous as it ended up being, a good job of he cannot be knocked down. He has a yeah. weakness, but what is it? And Hogan found it. So that was, I thought, pretty cool. And I, even now, like, I'll, again, this is this is all stuff where I think if someone goes back and watches it now, like, this is terrible. Why would you like this? But it's just, I don't know. It's it's my it's my stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of why I kind of I don't crap on the things now that are so silly. Because as a kid now watching it, that later is like, oh man, you remember how bad the Bailey Alexa Bliss "This Is Your Life" segment is? Like that was so great. Like this is so bad. Like yeah. it's, you'll have memories of it. Well, so. I think back then, I mean, there's going to be some opponents I'll name that you know came after this. But when Hogan was, you know, the guy, they tried to put him up with like big, like monster type guys. Yeah. So Andre the Giant to me was totally believable. Sure. King Kong Bunny, not so much. Like Earthquake, not so much. Because that came afterwards, but I'm just thinking like guys that earthquake was believable to me because how they he got his ribs crushed by the earthquake. Okay, like they they did a good job building yeah. that. So but I, I, Zeus, I, I thought he was probably one of the more legit guys. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking back now, no, but 
I, I think it's just like building him up to make him sound more powerful than Hogan. Mm-hmm. Like Hogan couldn't knock him down. Yeah. <laughs> like until he finds a weakness. Yeah. Did Punch you have, him in the eye. <laughs> did you, uh, oh, speaking of, uh, before I forget, so you mentioned King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. So I was got I got caught in a YouTube trap the other day of watching like shooting interviews and yeah. I found one with Bobby the Brain Heenan and he's just so funny. He's got like jokes like they're asking him like, what would you do, Bobby, to save uh, WCW? What would you have done, or what would you have done differently? He goes, I would have taken all the people and charged WCW, put them in a room, threw a grenade in the room, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he also talked about everybody in charge. Yeah, and he right. talked about King Kong Bundy. He used to call him Shamu because he was bald, white with black singlet. Because mm-hmm. one time we ran a plane and um, he was a, like he was kind of falling asleep and I was sitting next to him and the flight attendant came up to me and she goes, "What do you have?" And I go, "I'll have you know a vodka tonic or whatever." And he looks over and he goes, "He'll have a pail of fish." <laughs> he goes, <laughs> but he heard me, so because of it, he leaned on me the whole flight, his big yeah. old body. So I thought that was pretty funny. That was funny. My favorite Bobby Heenan story he told in that interview was, he's like, "I was on a plane with Andre the Giant once and." It was the three rows of seats, so he took up two seats. I had one. <laughs> and he goes, and I was sitting down, and the flight attendant came up to us, and she goes, she's asking me, she goes, what can I get you guys? You know, can I get, can I get you guys anything? So, you know, to drink. And Andre the Giant's kind of messing with the seatbelt, doesn't look at her, just goes, screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> she comes back with an actual screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, then, instead of a drink. Right. And and, and then, because uh, she thought something wrong with his seat. Yeah. And she gives it to him, and Andre looks at, and looks at the screwdriver, looks at her, and he goes, what would you have brought me if I asked for a Bloody Mary? <laughs> <laughs> and then Bobby scored the flight head. He goes, look how giant that man is. Don't give him a weapon or a tool. What is wrong with you? It's yeah. just my favorite story. I got caught in the, uh, the YouTube thing, too, and I was watching this old episode of uh, Politically Incorrect. It was like a 12-minute segment. Yeah. Politically Incorrect, Bill Maher had uh, Roddy Piper, Medusa, Sting with no face paint, and Bobby Heenan on there. And Bill Maher is just kind of like a weird, like, smart-ass type guy. He's like, you know, your fans are in on the joke. And you know how sensitive Piper is. Oh, yeah. He's like, what do you mean a joke? Blah, blah, blah. He's going back and forth. So he's kind of like pissing off the wrestlers because then they're trying to defend their craft to him and Bobby Heenan goes well at least I'm not the one masturbating backstage before the show <laughs> like that's how mad Bobby was he called him out on jerking off before the show and Bill Maher's like yeah you're right he's like that's what I do before every show <laughs> he's like you know when you say bye to me just pat me on the back I don't want to shake your hand <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple more uh, Twitter suggestions I want to get through uh, Hans Carpenter he's at the H.A. Carpenter, the time WCW was literally buried Ric Flair in the desert. Yeah, uh, I was going to cover that one, but I decided that I'd go with the insane asylum. <laughs> uh, Jeff Springer, the Who Ran Over Stone Cold. Remember when he it was like Rikishi, I did, did it, it for, for the, the rock. rock. Yeah. Like that was should have been a crazy payoff. You follow him at EM underscore Jeff 90. And then what was it here? Uh, Georgia. I remember, I remember being really let down that it was Rikishi. <laughs> I think everybody was. Uh, Georgia Bowering, uh, she said that SummerSlam 93 with, with uh, where was it, Doink, yeah. when he faced off. Because I mentioned the Doink, two Doinks. And she said when he had to face Bret Hart, she was like, I was so scared of clowns because of Doink from 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pamela Steger at Pam, at Pam E. Lott. She loved Doink and Dink. Uh, this was terrible. Derek Reed at Adorable Doiner. 
Who was the raw general manager? Remember the anonymous raw yeah, general manager? The I was laptop? that one, too. Oh, terrible. Uh, the 19... Mike, this is one I love a lot. Michael at MLIP16, the Royal Rumble 94 when the heels killed the Undertaker. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. They put him oh, in the, the terrorists? The, no, the, the 94 Rumble. Okay. Yeah, Remember yeah. the uh, yeah. where they all the heels came out, put him in the casket, and he floated to the heavens? Yeah. That's a that's a thing with you, you talk about the the uh, suspending disbelief. You, you do that with the Undertaker. So those are some of our Twitter. Well, there was one I was going to read more into is when uh, Muhammad Hassan, yeah, all his terrorists. Like, did you get a YouTube thing? Was like the top ten most like tasteless like or probably there's like, a lot of videos. things that I saw that I was going to look into. Yeah, um, you could tell, finish the story though. Sorry, the no, that was Hassan. kind of it that I know of. I didn't really read you, too much into it. But you didn't say anything about it. Well, oh, he just met Muhammad Hassan was in some sort of feud with the Undertaker, and then he had a bunch of terrorists like dressed. This is like after nine eleven. Yeah, in like, two thousand two. Not, not even that far after nine eleven. Yeah, so all these terrorists come in like black hoods and you know covering their face and shit like and ski masks and all black. Yeah, yeah, beating up the Undertaker. And then uh, like heel Michael Cole. I didn't know even know where to start with that, that one. That's just terrible. Yeah. That wasn't a fun storyline. That was just, and then their match was like twenty five minutes long at WrestleMania, and Michael yeah. Cole won. And oh my god, You're wearing his what do they call that? The he little headgear. Yeah, the headgear and his oddly placed Orange, tattoos all over his singlet. body. Yeah, <laughs> and he's so out of shape. You don't realize it because he's in a suit most of the time. He's, yeah, but that that's gonna be. I, I, let's not wrap up on Michael Cole. <laughs> let's 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 have one more fun, ridiculous storyline. One. Let's wrap up on the WLC. Okay, we all see. So the elimination, or no, Extreme Rules 2014. Hornswoggle versus El Torito. Mm-hmm. It was set up to be kind of like a joke match. You know, you got your little gimmick matches, like your women's matches back then, and then, you know, midget matches. So it turned out, turned out to be, like, really good. Um, they even had little commentators. Do you remember Micro Cole? Yes. Jerry the Mini King Lawler. Then he, then he was later called Jerry Smaller. <laughs> and then WeeBL, who they later referenced as JB Elf. <laughs> yeah, they had a little mini table set up too. They had a mini table. They had a mini referee. They had a mini announcer. I mean, the whole thing was amazing. It was. <laughs> but then what I liked about it was that they put on a really good match. Like, yeah. Torito is like super athletic. Mm-hmm. Like the way he just flips and flops from like the second rope to the top rope and jumps over. But they got like mini tables and mini ladders and mini chairs and just everything. Like the Torito finishes off with the, um, like a springboard off the top rope and, mm-hmm. you know, like a sit down bomb, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's a great match. Yeah. You guys, they stole the show. They did. Like you said, I think Hornswoggle talked about this in an interview where he was like, everyone's waiting for us to, to just be garbage. And we yeah. tore the effing house down and got a standing ovation. Yeah. So go ahead and watch that one. Like, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if people were in the back, like had matches afterwards. Like we have to follow that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause the three MB got involved in sort of the Los Matadores, mm-hmm. but it still kind of helped their, the little people match. Which was amazing. I liked it. it. Me too. I'm glad you brought that up because it gave me excuse to go back and watch it again. <laughs> That'll wrap up our show for this week, guys. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at PPW Podcast, uh, Positive Processing Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. Please subscribe. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. That's how we've got a lot of listeners growing is through podcast friends. Like I think some of our friends at the our Vantage Point Podcast, who I found through Ring Skirts, he told me about them on Twitter. And I found out about ring skirts from KP and DC. And I found out about fully posable from, I think they did an interview with Marty DeRosa. Like it was, so it was like on a their chain, show. Chain yeah, it's like, it all goes through pretty much. It all goes through. And then I, uh, greetings from Allentown. I found out, I think just rank, we just started talking on Twitter mm-hmm. and then same thing, like ringside podcast. We all found like, it's all like 
community and it's all awesome. So it's really cool that everybody builds each other up. Everyone listens to their stuff and there's, there's only so much time in a week to listen to shows. There's so much good shows, but if you're like me and you have a commute to work, it's perfect, you know, yeah. back and forth and it's good to listen to everything. And I appreciate anyone that ever has listened to us. And, you know, I, I want to do better at getting more shows out, but just realistically, it's not necessarily possible to do a show every week. And I kind of like that we're a little semi-monthly and that yeah. we've got the, a little bit more, gives us more time to find content. And uh, I like to keep the sh- shows about an hour. You know, we'll, maybe we'll do more coming up to WrestleMania. I know we'll have some more shows coming up after to that. And my goal is this year is to add and do more like crossover shows with podcasts. It's just tough to get everyone in the same schedule. It's really mm-hmm. tough to do. And it's still fun. And it's not like it's a job or anything, but it's it's fun to do. And I'm really glad we get to do it. I'm glad you have a schedule that allows you to join the show with me. Me too. And we have 70 episodes in. Pretty crazy. Remember our first episode back in our room, my old house, my bedroom? I remember. And you were like, <laughs> you started what is this all about? Yeah. And uh, What was the first one? Uh, I think first? just awesome wrestling moments we talked about. And I screwed up the editing of it, so we had to split it into two parts. Uh-huh. I also was talking about getting a new micro- microphones for us, but I also think I like the like, mono, like chill sound of our show. I don't see any, a problem with it. It's not. Like but when it, I listen to it? It, it sounds clear. Because there's just, other, like, I would say, should be better podcasts out there, but they sound worse yeah. than us. Well, I mean, granted, some of those I'll give them a break because they're doing it over Skype, and I've done Skype interviews, and you lose some audio quality. But mm-hmm. still, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, if you're going to be at WrestleMania this year, guys, please hit me up on Twitter. Let me know where you're going to be. Uh, I know I've got plans to meet up with a bunch of people already, but if you uh, – this is dead serious, too – if you hit me up on Twitter or if you see me anywhere and we're anywhere where I can buy a drink or something, I will do that for sure. Mm-hmm. So we can talk and talk wrestling and how goofy everything is. And it'll be fun. And I'll have more details about where I'm going to be in the next couple of weeks and as far as schedules and timing and everything. And I know everyone's going to the Fully Posable Meetup, which is on Saturday. We should have a venue according to Jeff next week. So make sure you listen to them to find out where that will be. That'll be the hub for everybody to meet up and have fun. Maybe I'll bring some junk, some giveaways for people to have. Just throw them out in the crowd. Yeah, right. Some wrestling junk. Hit some kid in the eye with a old Luna Vachon figure. No way. I'm keeping Luna. I'll find someone else terrible in there. Oh, here's what I want. What do you want? I want China as a figure now. Yeah, an elite. Cause I, yeah, because I, I I've been wanting China, but the um, the Jacks one is like I don't know. It's not it's not too much China for me. What do you mean it's not too much? Like, it's not, it's not enough China. Like, it doesn't look like her. Okay, I can see what you're saying. So, hopefully, would they come up with an elite for China. I was looking at almost buying the trigger on the Demolition Jacks classic. Yeah. Where they had, like, the full, like, pant, like, the chaps and the yeah. mask and everything. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, these are kind of pricey because, you know, I want to get it in the box, but not to keep in the box, just to open because the other ones are all grimy and gross, people playing yeah. with them. It's just tough. But I'm not going to spend that much. I'm not going down the Jacks line because the Mattels are so much better. At least to me, than the Jacks, then I'm not going to go to that, that that path. Did you see the Toy Fair ones, like the Halloween Havoc Warrior? I am not impressed. I'm not. Well, I did. But the Halloween Warrior and the Ronda are like the ultimate edition. Not impressed with those. Okay. Are you? Not really. Like for I, don't, the, I don't like the torso and then the like ultra articulation and right. the joints. Like, I'm not a fan of it. I guess if you're like a figure photographer and you want to do like poses, it's yeah. great for you. But right. what's weird about the Warrior is he's got his hair is wrong. He had blonde hair during that WCW run. Mm-hmm. The Ronda, I think, is really good. The Ronda is really good. But I think her elite's good, you know? So, yeah. And I think her basic's good. So it, it's cool that they're trying new stuff. I'm never going to be mad about more wrestling stuff right. out in the yeah. world. But it wasn't super impressed. But I did like the King Mabel a lot. I'll give them that. I was pumped about the King Mabel. 
They're looking okay. forward to, to getting the King Mabel. All right. That's all I got. Let's That's end all up, I got. Let's end <laughs> on some awesome stuff. To sum up the whole show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget about Pearl. Merle. Merle. Merle Haggard. That's right. See everyone next week. We don't hit rap, by the way. We like some rap. I don't like NASCAR. We just break down the lyrics of this song. Thanks, everybody, guys, for listening. I don't like NASCAR. I like Merle Haggard. Is there lyrics? No, there's no thought. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next week. Line from Skull